Welcome to Bring Them Up, a parent podcast for parents at Christ Community Church. We follow Ephesians 6, where Paul writes, bring your children up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. We want this podcast to be a safe place where you can find resources, practical ideas, and encouragement. All right, as usual, this is David Heinrichs, your host. I'm alone today. I'm going to be talking about a parable that I taught at Wednesday of Worship, actually last night, to the middle school and high school students. And as as I was teaching that parable, I thought, what a great um, sort of lesson for parents as well, because it is a parable of two sons. Now, when I say Matthew 21, two sons, you might think it's about the prodigal son, and it really isn't. It's totally different. It's a parable that I think not many people know about. Um, So it was interesting to teach that particular uh, parable. Let me read it to you. Matthew 21, verse 28 through 32. It says, Jesus uh, is looking at the Pharisees and he's looking at the crowd and he turns to the Pharisees who just questioned his authority and tried to trap Jesus. This is after his triumphal entry. This is right before the Passion Week where Jesus is crucified. Uh, And so he looks at the, the Pharisees who questioned his authority and tried to trap him. And he says, what do you guys think? What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, the son answered. But later he changed his mind. The King James Version renders that he repented and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Now, which of the two sons did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. This is the Pharisees. They answered the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John the Baptist came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you still did not repent and believe him. So your kids, as you think about it, could be really either one of these two sons, you know, the rebellious uh, teenager who says no and then changes their mind, or the one that always says the right thing, but then never actually obeys. You know, it's a great reminder that your rebellious kids still have hope of repentance. There's still hope. And, but also, the best-behaved kids that we have who always say the right things, they may be hiding their disobedience. We need to be ready to help each of them. So let's think about this together, okay? First, the rebellious kids, you know, the ones that say no and that eventually change their mind out of guilt or shame or some kind of consequence that comes their way um, and, uh, and then repent and then go actually obey the Father. These kids need something to break them. It, it may be stronger and more forceful than you, parents. Did you ever think about that? A natural consequence or a natural phenomenon comes into their life and actually breaks them that's stronger than you as the parent. That's kind of scary. You do want to pray for that to happen because when they break, that's when they get the gospel. But also you want to pray that they don't experience long-term consequences that ruins their life but we do need to pray for something to break them. And it may not be us. 
when they break, they'll humbly bow to the Lord and be saved. And then finally, they'll obey God out of love for him. But parents don't despair if your child is currently in rebellion or when they rebel, even against the Lord. The Holy Spirit or the hounds of heaven, as C.S. Lewis refers to it, the Holy Spirit, is chasing after them. Have faith that God will put something or someone in their way to rebellion and destruction. Uh, Have faith that God will do that. Now, I have a story to tell that will give you some hope. I was a rebellious teenager, about 16 years old, 17 years old, and my parents allowed me to get a job on an island 26 miles off the coast of Long Beach, California, called Catalina. And I worked in this um, burger joint where I cooked burgers and made fries. And I, well, I was living it up. I was, you know, um, to my detriment. I smoked cigarettes and I did try beers, even though I didn't get drunk a lot. I was scared to get drunk, but I did try beers and, and I cursed up a storm. Well, there was this waitress in the same restaurant that I worked as a cook and she was a bit older. She was like 21. And she came up to me and said, I know who you are. Those are the words that came out of her mouth. I know who you are. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You're a Christian and you're currently in rebellion. And I'm like, how do you know that? And I guess she'd talked to my parents or, or something, but she just kept, kept giving me Bible verses and kept reminding me that God loves me and all this kind of stuff. And I really hated her for it. Um, and, but, but she haunted me. She haunted, she gave me nightmares that, that God still was there and God was watching everything I was doing. And it, it just always was on, on my mind. And it kept me from going too far into rebellion. And eventually when I did turn around about a year later, and accepted the Lord and, and was saved and re- really just regenerated and converted and, and just loved Jesus more than anything. Uh, you know, it was a year later. I mean, I didn't, I don't, I don't know who she is. I don't know where she is. I forgot her name and, and I couldn't even thank her. And somewhere in heaven, I'm going to find this, this lady and I'm going to say, Hey, thank you for what you did. Thank you for being persecuted by me in my rebellion, because that was so helpful. I didn't want it. It's what I needed. And just my parents had nothing to do with that. They were at home on the mainland. And this, this girl was there sent by the Lord to warn me, to remind me, to give me Bible verses every single day. It was amazing. So just trust that your rebellious kids, that God is at work. He's never not at work. He's always working in the life of your kids. So don't despair. Yes, Get in the way of your kid. Yes, be involved. Yes, don't just think everything's going to ha- you know, work out. So get involved, but don't despair. God is working. And in this parable, it sounds like the son said no, and then two seconds later he decided, okay, I feel stupid. I'm going to go out. But it could have been a couple days. We don't know what the consequence was for this son. Jesus doesn't spell that out. But something happened to change his mind, and that's what we're praying for, that something would come to them and change their mind. Remember, an oak tree stands tall and firm and strong and stubborn against the wind, against the gale force wind of a tornado. And as it stands strong, that wind's going to break it. And that's where salvation happens. That's what we're praying for, for these rebellious kids. Next, perhaps more scary to a parent than a rebellious child is the second son, right? Saying all the right things and then secretly disobeying. These are the kids that fake it and never make it. 
the key here to parent one of these kids, it's, the key to remember is, is model transparency. Um, of course, there's lots of other things you can do to kind of, you know, make sure this child understands the gospel. One of the best things you can do is model transparency. Tell these kids of all your rebellious disobedience. Be open and honest. It's truly hard because it feels like you're letting them down by admitting all your sins and all your vices and flaws, but it is so very helpful to these kids. Let these kids see you cry over your past sin. Let these kids see you struggle in the moment when you want to sin. Let them see you repent and let them see your victory of conquering a certain sin pattern. Your kids ought to be able to recite your three worst flaws almost without thinking because you told them so often. You know, if I ask the youth group or my kids, hey, what are my sins? What are my flaws? They're going to say, oh, you're forgetful. You'll do anything for a laugh. And you're naturally, you're you're disorganized. And, And I've really worked hard at not being forgetful. I've really worked hard at being sensitive when I joke and just knowing where the lines are and I can't cross the lines. And I really have worked hard and been successful in being organized. Now I'm really organized, but it's all effort on my part. It's not something I do naturally um, it, without a lot of trying. That's me. So, so what about you? What, are your, what would your kids say? Would they, would they say, I don't really know? And would they, would they know your sin because you've, you know, like behaved in bad ways and so that now they're calling you on it? Or is, do they know your sin because you've told them, you've explained it, you've expounded, you've let them see your sin by talking to them about it? Um, and, and this is really helpful, being transparent in, and then invite them into the no judgment zone. And when they come in, and now this is super important, when your kids say, dad, mom, you have exemplified this for me. Now I'm coming in. They're afraid. They're very afraid. Hypocrites are uh, really afraid of the truth. And so when they start announcing or, or describing their own sin, here's the super important key. Don't freak out. Not with these kids. Don't show too much shock and awe. If, if you want them to keep talking and keep being open with you, don't freak out. Definitely deal with things, of course, yes, but don't freak out, and your kids will, will stay in that judgment-free zone, and it's, it's a great place to be. It is a little tricky to figure out the, the balance of, okay, we've got to do some, some discipline here, but, but I'm not freaking out. It's, it's a little bit of a tricky thing, but you got to figure out how to do it because these kids will clam up, they'll, they'll shut down, and they'll never talk to you, so, so keep them talking. Our youth ministry, by the way, is set up to inspire repentance for the rebellious kids and be transparent with lip service kids. <laughs> leaders are trained to do many things, you know. The leaders that come, the, the young adults, the college students, the young professionals, uh, you know, they, they come in and lead so well. They, uh, we train them to lead games and teach and lead small groups. But the most important thing we train them to be is a model of a rebel who repents, a model of a hypocrite who comes clean. Join us. Join the, the youth leaders as parents. Join us and be a place where your rebel can repent. Be a parent that inspires your hypocrite kids to come clean and be real and not be phony. And we will see your kids grow. One last thing I mentioned to the, to the kids, and I thought it was a, an interesting way of describing, uh, you know, this kind of growth. The gospel 
Where is the gospel? Where is Jesus? Where is salvation? And if you think about it, what Jesus is saying is the tax collector and the prostitutes get it, and you Pharisees don't. What he's saying is, if you exalt yourself up to the high levels that, that Pharisees aspire to, it's kind of like climbing Everest. If you go to the top, that's where you die. Think, think about it, 32,000 feet above sea level at the top of Everest. It's called the, the death zone because there's not a lot, a lot of oxygen and it's freezing cold and it's very dangerous. And so you could literally die up there. And if you exalt yourself in the same way a Pharisee does, by being a hypocrite, by building yourself up, then, then you'll, you'll die. Where is salvation? Not up there. You know where it is? Descend the mountain and come down to the village get on the floor. That's where it is. When the tree breaks and falls to the floor, that's where salvation happens. And that's the reminder of parents. Your kids, in order to be uh, saved, in order to be Christians, Jesus is saying they need to identify with a prostitute, with a tax collector, and you're the one parent that's going to do this the best. You're going to demonstrate this for them. God saved me a sinner. They're going to see you talk about your sin. You're going to see you repent from your sin. This is the model you want to be. Take them down off of Mount Everest, down to the ground, down to the lowly places where Jesus is, where the tax collector is and the prostitute. That's where salvation is. And that's the encouragement for today. So parent well. See you next time.